All right. Welcome to the Bank on It podcast presented by the Well-Rounded Podcast Network. Um, we're doing another mailbag version of the podcast today. And we got some WWE and we also have a lot of uh, basketball. We'll go college and uh, a couple NBA questions for you. Uh, so let's get right down into it. Um, we'll start with WWE. Uh, I got one big question from from something that happened on Monday Night Raw. And the question is, how do you handle the Shane McMahon versus Undertaker match at WrestleMania? Uh, that was a, a pretty big shocker on Monday Night Raw. Uh, we, we started out. McMahon coming down to present an award, um, uh, an excellence award, and it looked like he was just gonna do the do the typical McMahon. You know, uh, after a couple minutes, you heard um, some familiar music, and that music was was Shane McMahon, and that created one of those moments that was like, holy crap! You know, that he him back, you know, with the company and, um, you know, kind of, kind of sent you back to, to, to some of those attitude days and it got you really excited. And then, you know, as, as the whole thing went on, you, you're kind of wondering how is this going to fit in? And, you know, he was kind of wanting back into the company. Well, uh, to them building up this match and you really weren't sure, what was going to happen? How was he going to be involved in WrestleMania? And then, you know, there was, you know, Vince announced that Shane could have his control of Monday Night Raw like he wanted if he beat The Undertaker. And, and you know, your your happiness, the happiness that I was feeling to see Shane McMahon back in the WWE quickly turned to why would you have Shane McMahon wrestling The Undertaker at WrestleMania? And the first thing that went through my head was Undertaker doesn't have very many matches left. Dude's 50 years old. Uh, why waste it on Shane McMahon? You know, why not bring back one of these icons from another era, you know, or, you know, for WCW, like, like a Goldberg, like a Sting. Why wouldn't you bring these guys? I think one of the reasons was that Sting's still recovering from his, his neck injury. Uh, and, you know, Goldberg's probably, you know, like he usually does, or maybe somebody said something wrong to him and he doesn't really you know, deal well with those things. So, um, you know, there, there's a lot that, that could happen, but why Shane McMahon would be. The more that I think about it now, I like it. You know, it's it's not the most popular thing, but but I I think it's a good spot. The only spot that this could really work is with the Undertaker. The Undertaker's always been a person who would do whatever's best for the company. This is a well mapped out thing. This this is this is kind of like the first domino that's going to hit. So there's kind of talk about them doing the whole rebranding thing, as they did in the past with kind of breaking up the shows from. Raw and SmackDown, and if they're going to choose to do that, they need to have control shifted uh, from the authority to 
you know, a Shane McMahon and, and kind of lead the company in a different direction. So if that's a part, if this is the first domino in a well-mapped out plan that they have uh, involving their superstars and how they're going to do it, I like it. Um, if they don't do it or they're going to change it really quickly, then I don't like it. And, and I don't know how that's going to play out, but it, it kind of feels, you know, uh, in, in that kind of dropping there. So, you know, it's not just Shane McMahon wrestling the undertaker in a, in a technical, um, kind of match. It is a hell in a cell match. And, and I think that's where we've seen, uh, Shane, you know, I, I wouldn't say flourish, uh, as we know, he's not a, a real wrestler. Um, but it is something where you can get away with a lot. You know, we, we've seen him take some, some terrific fall uh, in the past. We've seen him, you know, whip out chairs, tables. I think that's what it's going to be. And that's what you want at this WrestleMania. They're trying to uh, you know, get everybody in 18, or excuse me, AT&T stadium, uh, in Dallas. And I think, uh, having these gimmick matches is really what's going to do it. And I, I predicted that in the last um, pod um, kind of given my card for WrestleMania. I think there's going to be a lot of these gimmick matches, ladder matches, uh, hell in a cell matches, cage matches, no, no D uh, to kind of get the fans interested. So the hell in a cell really works there. Uh, and it also plays into the fact that Shane's not going to beat the undertaker just straight up. You know, in my opinion, and I think he's he's going to beat the Undertaker, or there would be no point in doing this. Uh, you know, whole angle where they're controlling the company. So, um, you know, but he's not going to do it without help from uh, you know chairs, outside interference, those type of things. So that's what really comes to the next part of it. You know, Shane's not going to, you know. Do his. Uh, I'm sure we're going to see the uh, the move where he jumps across the uh, the ring. You know, the coast to coast thing with the chair. I'm sure we're going to see something like that. He's going to pull out all the stops. Um, but what I really think is going to happen is somebody's going to interfere. And my first thought, um, what might happen would be what I predicted before between two people. I think the first thought that I had was John Cena, you know, John Cena coming back um, because it's kind of hitting that point where he might not be ready for WrestleMania uh, as far as actual wrestling goes. But, you know, who knows if he could just pop in there and uh, do the AA to somebody and you know, kind of make his presence felt. But um, the more I thought about it, I think it is going to be Sting that comes in. And, and this, if they're going to choose to do something like this to bring somebody in, this makes the most sense um, to have Sting come in, uh, kind of send a message to The Undertaker and The Authority. Um, not that they're intertwined, uh, but I think him coming in and you know, giving the Scorpion Death Drop to, to uh, The Undertaker would really kind of set things off for the future. So I think, you know, what I want to see, uh, what I had at WrestleMania, assuming that Sting was healthy, would be Undertaker versus Sting. And this this is where you kind of get a little bit of it, but you don't get 
So going forward, um, Slam has been uh, made into the second biggest pay-per-view of the year. I think what they're going to try to do, assuming health is set up a, you know, Undertaker Sting at SummerSlam again. Um, I think everybody just kind of centers Undertaker around WrestleMania, but you know, let's face it. As I said before, he's 50. He's not getting any any old in a year. We we need to get these matches in and um, do it in August. I think they would, but I think what they're trying to do is is, is go for the future. So I either see that at SummerSlam or WrestleMania next year, assuming you know both of them are, are able to compete. And I think they're trying to do that as soon as they can. So SummerSlam would make a lot of sense. And you can do the build-up from there. And nobody has to show up. Nobody has to show up for these um, other pay-per-views that are going to lead up to that. So you, know, you can make that statement. You could have them come in and just... You know, Sting's had the, the long history with the authority with with um, sending a message to, to Triple H uh, when he showed up the very first time. So you kind of have that. You kind of have him um, doing the vigilante thing. He comes in, kind of messes things up for the authority. They're out of, they're out of power. And, um, and then he vanishes, you know, he vanishes, the undertaker vanishes. You don't hear from him for, for several months. And all of a sudden you pop him up back um, to do the build up for SummerSlam. So, that's the way um, if I would ever be uh, booking anything, I think that's what I would do with Shane versus Taker. And I think it's going to, it's going to take some sort of twist like that. You know, we're going to see a lot of blood. We're going to see tables. We're going to see chairs. It's going to be an interesting match. Um, like I said, I, I didn't like it as many people didn't when it first hit, but as I sit ba- sat back and, and thought about it, I really start to I really started to like it just because you know it kind of gives that that adrenaline rush back to something that was just kind of you know from pay-per-view to pay-per-view from match to match it's WWE's been very predictable and you know bringing this up really turn the tables on things and it kind of gets you excited I do if they handle it correctly which um remains to be seen so uh that is my take on the, the WWE question for the podcast. So now we can slide into basketball. And I knew I was going to get the next question. And it was a pretty generic question that, you know, pretty much everybody asks this time of year. And that is, who are your final four teams? And yeah, it's a really difficult question to answer at this point because you don't have the bracket in front of you. You never know what's going to happen. Um, the, some of these teams could be in the same bracket, which you know, throws your final four off, obviously. Um, the teams that I've, that I've watched um, and I believe in right now, and I know all these teams are, are suffering losses, especially when they're going on the road. They're losing in these, in these places. Uh, you know, it's tough to go on the road, and I think a lot of people, a lot of fans take that for granted. Um, but the think are most well-equipped to make a run at a Final Four are Kansas, Oklahoma, North Carolina, and I'm going to throw Michigan State. You know, the coaching of Tom 
a blue collar type of team that, you know, everybody knows their role. And then you have Denzel Valentine, uh, you have Forbes who can knock down threes. You have a lot of guys who understand the spacing of the game. They lock down on defense um, and they're really playing some good ball at this point. Um, so I like them as kind of a, you know, wild card. I think they're catching a little bit more um, popularity now. They're, they're starting to build up. And I think a lot of people are going to be wagon. Um, but the other teams, you know, they've suffered their losses. You know, we see uh, several teams at the top with, with a seven losses. Um, and you're going to see that come up. So it, it, just because you've lost throughout the year, this this year just means teams are flawed. And, and that's fine. We're going to have a flawed champion. And there's nothing wrong with that. We, we saw Kentucky last year. Um, the only team in my did beat them. Uh, it was just, that's what you run into, especially in these tournaments. So um, I think the, the teams that I just mentioned, you know, with, with Kansas, uh, Selden, you know, uh, Mason, you got all these guys that, that I think fit together. They know where they're going to be on the floor. Uh, and I just think they have a, they present a lot of matchup difficulties for, for easily be beaten. Um, so I think you're going to see in this tournament a lot of teams in the early going get upset. You know, you're going to see a lot of your uh, – you may see, you know, a 14, uh, 3 and a 14, those type of things uh, so in the early – times but when it's all said and done i think you're going to see a lot of the same familiar faces in a michigan state and north carolina um the the second type of group that i have um maybe some some teams that you're you're kind of on the on the fence about bump back in the rankings uh i'm i'm looking at miami of florida i'm looking at texas a&m duke maryland and kentucky i think those teams can uh, make a run depending on where they are um, you know, with, with good coaching, uh, you know, you have some hall of fame coaches in there. Uh, and then you have a team like Texas A&M who, um, I don't think they get a lot of credit. Um, you have a, a big point guard in Caruso who, who just, you can dish out assists. He knows where everybody, uh, stands on the floor. Uh, he's a, he's a good leader, tall guy. Uh, he's just, he's just, that captain type of person that, that you want on your team and you just make sure everything runs smoothly for your offense. And then they have shooters, um, and, and athletes. So they have a uh, house can just dunk with the best of them. Uh, Jones can hit from the outside. Um, you know, it's, it, they'll, they'll be depending on where they are, that they'll be a, a tough out. And I think they can uh, pull an upset and maybe you know, go to an elite eight type, uh, type run or, you know, final four, if everything pans out for him. And then you have, you know, Duke. Um, I, I alluded to it in the previous podcast. You got Coach K. You got a good set of guards there um, that I don't think have realized their maximum potential. Um, so that's a team that could get hot. Um, you know, they'll always have a fair, favorable route to uh, wherever they're going. So I think uh, that's a good a good spot for a team like them to – as much as it pains me to say, uh, to make a run, depending on where they end up. Um, and that kind of leads me into my, and then I got speaking of Duke, um, and one of their players, we have 
a lot around Grayson Allen over several weeks. Um, <laughs> he, he seems like he's got himself in a little bit of, of trouble. He, he looks like he's public enemy number one, basically, you know, in America. And this, this is what America loves to do. We have Duke. A lot of people hate Duke. A lot of people hate Kentucky. A lot of people hate North Carolina. Um, so this is, you know, right up people's alley when, when something like this happens. You have this this little white guy um, that people don't like. Um, you know, kind of kind of made obviously Christian Christian Leitner wasn't a little white guy. He was a big white guy. Embodies everything that is Duke to the world. Um, so when a guy goes up and pretty pretty much um, not, I, I can't really say that he's being dirty. He, he's being chippy. Uh, and I've seen this stuff from, you know, when when watching Kentucky games, you see scouts throwing elbows. He's getting in people's face. You know, it's, it's few and far between because he doesn't make that many plays. But he's bumping people with his elbows. He's he's throwing his you know his knee out you know in in these instances where he's trying to get position and he doesn't get called for certain things. So I've seen it in other teams, um, but it was pretty blatant with him uh, as far as Grayson Allen goes in the Louisville game. He he uh, tripped tripped an opposing player and got whistled for a flagrant. Uh, this game when he tripped the uh, guy even more blatantly in the open court um, in um, against Florida state. Like, like I was mentioning um, when you tripped him, nothing got called. And I think that's what really made people mad. Uh, how do you call one, not the other? Well, you know, the officials are individual, you know, that the, they're not building on from game to game. That's not their job to do that. So if one, if that set of officials saw it, um, as a no call, then, you know, so be it. I'm not going to get mad either way. Now, what we have here, obviously, uh, is a failure to kind of police themselves as far as the ACC. You know, they, it, it was ridiculous to me what they put out today. They, they sent, I think, a, what boils down to is a, a stern letter to Duke um, and just kind of saying, hey, you know, we, we see this going on, but there's going to be no further discipline. So basically a slap on the wrist and say, don't do it again. Um, but, you know, I, I, I can't blame them. I've, I've seen, you know, from my coaching days, I've seen a few kids on our team, you know, kind of throw out their, their feet trying to trip people. You know, we don't teach that, but it's just one of those things when frustration hits, you get blocked or something, you're kind of throwing your body out, hoping that maybe you knock the ball loose or something like that, or, you know, that type of place. So it's, you're not teaching anything bad. I don't think that that's happening at Duke. I just think it's, they, Coach K is teaching the proper way to trip people. Uh, but it's just the hate that goes with, with Duke and Grayson Allen where he came down in uh, Virginia and he, uh, pretty clearly there. Um, but that didn't get called. So it's just kind of this ongoing thing where where everybody's paying attention to uh, Grayson Allen and Duke because of the, the success that they've uh, – they were struggling early, earlier in the year, and now uh, they've kind of righted the ship. So people are looking for those things to kind of – to knock them down. So, you know, obviously – you don't want to see anybody get tripped. 
it's a pretty lame, uh, low class kind of play that you want to expect from Duke uh, and Grayson Allen. But maybe this is the type of person he is. Maybe maybe under that he tries to to model himself as this kind of clean cut Duke boy <laughs> that you, that that we're so accustomed to seeing. You know. At, at that kind of a school, but you know, maybe this is the type of person that is. Maybe he is kind of a, a cheap shot kind of guy. Um, you know, hopefully he changes. Um, maybe these are just a couple isolated incidents, but you know, the, the jury's still out. So if he does it again or anything like it, believe me now that he is he is under the microscope. So if anything like this happens uh, in the future, we're going to see it. And you know, I think that's where people kind of get. Um, upset is that you know we've seen people get flagrant fouls we've seen people get uh, suspended for games for for elbows uh, unintentional elbows but you know since the um, since the NCAA has put such a um, what am I trying to say that kind of a uh, flyer out for for safety they're, they're putting a you know, such um, such concern out for the for the well-being of the players sometimes they'll they'll make basketball moves and they'll they'll swing their elbow but you know it happens to make contact with somebody's nose or you know maybe they're down in the defensive stance and 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 hit them with an elbow and and they don't mean it but since such a, a precedence has been put on for um safety they have to follow the the letter of the law so you know we've seen players get uh, suspended for that type of thing so you know, that's where it kind of rubs people the wrong way and they think they're getting it off. Uh, Grayson Allen's getting off easy uh, because he's at Duke. Um, believe me that if there's, if there's anything like this that happens again, he's going to get suspended. Uh, if, if it's a trip, a push, uh, anything left to be intentional, he's going to get that flagrant and he, he might get suspended. So fear not people that hate Duke. Um, if he does something again, it's, it's, it's going to get taken care of. So, um, uh, we're still talking uh, college basketball, but just let me transition from, from one hated, uh, traditional, uh, blue blood type of program to another. And this one I'm going to enjoy talking about a little bit more as it is my Kentucky Wildcats. Um, the question that I got concerning the Wildcats, um, reads as, is this year's UK team like the 2004 team? Will they be able to make a run uh, like that team did? Kind of an unexpected run. Um, and my my answer to that is yes. Uh, I think they can make a run. I don't think they're anything like the 2014 team, uh, in my opinion. Uh, that's the team that had the Harrison Twins, that had uh, uh, James Young, and Willie Cauley-Stein, Poitras on that team, uh, Randall. Uh, very good team, uh, but you remember that that team is getting crushed by Florida, uh, and then the tweet came. You know, the tweet came was uh, just kind of opening up space for for uh, Andrew Harrison, kind of kind of operating and being able to kick it out. Those those type of things, the small tweaks uh, that happened. Uh, I know Big Blue Nation had a lot of fun with that when it was going on, uh, but I don't think this team is anything like that team. Uh, I think they're more like the 2011 team, the Brandon Knight team, uh, Deron Lamb, Terrence Jones, that team, uh, because I think they're very guard-oriented. Uh, that's the team that didn't have Enos Cantor. Um, Cal sat him out. 
because of the the pending issues with with his eligibility. Um, so he didn't play, but he was able to practice with the team. So they were down a big man, down one of their best players uh, that whole year, and they managed to get through it. That team, you know, didn't have a good road record. I can't remember their record on the road, but it seemed like they lost uh, pretty much every one of them. If they were on the road, they were going to play one of their poorest games. Uh, but then something clicked, and that was the, that was the team that uh, – Beat Princeton on a, on a buzzer beater. They beat uh, Ohio State on a buzzer beater. Uh, beat North Carolina. Uh, so they made a pretty magical run, only to to fall short to UConn. Uh, but I think this reminds me of them, just because they're guard or, oriented. Uh, they had a great backcourt uh, back then, uh, and then they have uh, Jamal Murray and Tyler Eulis now, and we kind of see. And today we definitely saw it. We, we didn't see um, Derek Willis out there. And Derek Willis is is what I like to call, you know, as I mentioned before in some of the, the podcasts that I've done, he's the tweak part two. You know, that Kentucky was you know, fluttering earlier in the season. And then just kind of by need, they went to Derek Willis, who who's kind of that stretch four, six, nine guy who can, who can step out and stroke the three. Um, still leads a, a lot to – to be desired on the defensive end, um, but offensively he makes things go. The the spacing that he, he creates, you you can't um, you can't underestimate that. It, it gives Murray the ability to drive. It gives Eulis the ability to drive and kick. Um, Briscoe being able to get to the basket. Now, what you're seeing now is teams just completely lay off him, and it messes up the spacing for everybody else. They're able to pat, and the defense is able to pack it in uh, and make the make the driving lane. Uh, much more difficult for those other players. And it kind of leaves Briscoe into this indecision where should he take a jump shot um, or kind of force his way in, which are, are two bad things. We don't want jump shots and we don't want him to force his way to get to the basket because he's going to, he's going to see a lot of uh, charges and those type of things. So uh, back to, to the actual question, can they make a run? Yes. Uh, with the backcourt, you'll uh, uh, and Murray are playing lights out. Uh, Murray was on fire today, even even though they lost to, to Vandy. Um, and you know, kind of kind of going to that, people were getting really upset um, on Twitter and things like that today when they dropped Vandy, uh, the game at Vandy. And I, it didn't it didn't bother me. I'm much more upset with them losing earlier in the year. I'm blaming that. I'm blaming them being tied for first place in the SEC now. Um, for the losses earlier in the season, they had no business losing to Auburn. They had no business up 21 losing to Tennessee on the road. Um, but they did. And I, I, I circled, you know, Vandy at Vandy is one of the games that they might lose. Unfortunately, the next game that they have at Florida could be a game that they could lose. So uh, they're not in a good spot to close out right now, but they do finish up with LSU uh, at home which I like. Maybe they can avenge the loss that they had there. Um, but the, the Vandy loss doesn't bother me. The, it doesn't bother me because they didn't have Derek Willis. Uh, they got virtually no production from the bigs. Um, Poitras was horrible. Um, Tyler Eulis was, was cold, which he had been you know, shooting the lights out up to this point. So you know, going into the, the SEC tournament, and going into the NCAA tournament, you're not going to get a lot of nights where Eulis is cold, Derek Willis is out, 
your, your bigs give you absolutely nothing. Uh, what I think Cal's main concern right now should be should be maintaining your seed, which I think they're going to be anywhere from a at the best. I think they're going to be a three. At the worst, you know, if they can manage to to kind of right the ship these past couple games or these these future excuse me the games that are coming up um these last two if they can kind of right the ship and hold steady maybe win both of them or maybe drop one win one and then make a run in the tournament i think they're going to be anywhere from a three to a five seed so if they can maintain that seeding um and then just maintain their health they can make a run. You, you want to make sure you don't rush Willis back because you see how, how important he is. Make sure he's 100%. So if that means sitting him out the rest of the season until the SEC tournament and have him go, that's fine. If he's ready to go against Florida on Tuesday, bring him on out there. But make sure that he's healthy because you can't sacrifice him um, just for a game. You, you want him in that six-game stretch to, to kind of win a national championship. So – um. Yeah, what the, the things that I'm looking for from this team are the guard play. We had that. Um, they also have kind of an X factor in in Willis. Even though he doesn't look like much, he, he does wonders for this team. He, he knows he can go in there and uh, get get the rebounds that, that the team needs. He can come up with the block. Uh, but I think he he's a reliable um, that you can plug in there and. Not to be understated, I, I think you know Isaac Humphreys is getting some valuable minutes. Scal, even though he's not doing a whole lot with his minutes, he, he's getting that exposure. Uh, and then you got Poitras and Lee, so you're building. Even though you don't have a one or two guys that you can count on every night as the you know traditional back to the basket guys or maybe face up guys that are going to knock down a jumper, you get a collection of guys who give you some sort of production to keep the, the defense honest there. So I think kind of th this past month or so where um, Poitras has been out and now Lee's been out, you're getting those other guys valuable minutes that are going to translate on down the road. So in the tournaments, uh, we're going to see those guys play a little bit up, kind of maybe, maybe bring up their team when uh, some of the other guys are faltering. So, it's kind of a blessing in disguise. Yeah, it stinks that some of your players are out at this point, but um, you're getting some valuable time, and I think that's that's going to be really important for them. So, yes, I do think they can make a run. I think right now they're sitting at, in my opinion, I think they could take it easily lose the first weekend, depending on their matchup. Uh, I don't think they will, but you know, I kind of see them right now. They they are a top sixteen team. You know, even though they're probably going to drop in the polls. So I'm looking at them to be a Sweet 16 team, which that's what a good team does. They make it to the Sweet 16. Then your games start to get difficult. Uh, you're playing high-level talent, assuming that your your black, your black bracket hasn't blown up at that point. Um, they're probably not going to have an easy road, but I think you know Elite Eight, maybe a Final Four. It's not out of the question. Now, can they go all the way? That's, that's pretty tough. I don't know if this team can do that. Uh, um, I'll be cheering harder than I ever could for this team. If this team makes it, you know, something that, that nobody thought uh, would come after, after the year that they had last year, but I, I think they can make a run, um, but it'll be tough to, to pull it all the way out. So um, 
we're going to stay in college basketball uh, with a, with a big question that has a couple big questions that one that's been on my mind and one that's been uh, coming up the, the past several years and uh, pretty relevant this week and that is court storming um, and we actually saw it today uh, and we saw one of the alternatives that that some of the teams can be doing uh, as kind of kind of a slap in the face of the the old uh, court storm and that was coach Cal coach Cal today as he sensed that his team was going to lose. Uh, it was inevitable that they were going to lose. Took all his five starters out and sent them back off the court. He sent them back to the locker room and the bench was clear. Um, and he was ready for the Vandy fans to, to come out and they eventually did. Um, but I think the court storm is, is ridiculous. Uh, somebody's going to get hurt. Uh, I think, you know, even the, the comments that um, the Arizona's head coach, Sean Miller, uh, said it was, you know, pretty telling. You know, it may rub people the wrong way and, the, oh, you know, the, the college kids are just having fun. Well, let them have fun in their seats. Um, somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to get punched in the face. Like he said, you know, in Arizona – basketball player is, is going to punch somebody in the face and then we're going to have a conversation about this. Somebody's going to get seriously hurt and we're going to have a conversation about this. Uh, and it's going to take that serious injury for us to really um, talk about it seriously. Right now it's just kind of, Oh, you know, it's, it's just something that happens. Well, you know, it's not something that just happens if you really care about fixing it. Um, so I think it's pointless. Uh, I, I don't think it's classless, you know, like I, I know some people in Kentucky are saying, oh, we don't, you know, Kentucky never rushes the floor or anything like that because of their tradition. Well, no, that's not entirely true. They don't rush the floor because there's 90 year old men and women sitting in the bottom bowl. That's why they don't get up from their seats. Uh, you know, they like to think that they don't get up from their seats because they're classy and um, you know, their tradition overshadows everybody else's and their tradition is great and they don't need to um, you know, rush the floor over for a big win. I remember, you know, the Anthony Davis year when they, when they beat North Carolina on a block shot in the last seconds, they, they didn't need to do that. They didn't, everybody stayed in their seat and it was an amazing atmosphere. You can have fun from your seat and, to think that, you know, j just think about you being a 18 to, to 22, excuse me, 18 to 22 year old kid. You're going to that game. You haven't been going to class. You didn't go to class that day. You've been drinking. You've been doing other stuff. Who knows what these kids are on when they get on the floor? You know, you, you, uh, you get a drink, you get a, a big Coke, and maybe you snuck in some some Jim Beam or some uh, Jack Daniels little mini bottles in your in your pants, and uh, you kind of you, you've been uh, putting that in your drink throughout the out the game. So you've been drinking all day. You've been drinking during the game, even though it's not permitted in the in the facility. And now look where you are. You're 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 in an, in an altered state. You may go up and you know, do something that you don't realize you're doing to one of these players 
and he hauls off and punches you in the face and all of a sudden he's the bad guy. He doesn't know what you're trying to do to him. He doesn't know, are you coming at me? What happens if one of these kids has snuck something in and, you know, maybe stab somebody. You don't like to think about these things and you think this is, you know, something out of a movie, but it can happen. Think of all the terrible things that happen in the world for no apparent reason. Why do we think that one of these kids doesn't go wild and seriously hurt somebody? It doesn't even have to be a player. It can be somebody else on the court. We, we've seen in the past, uh, you know, people get trampled. People break their legs um, in these type of things. And, you know, nobody cares because ever because – 99% of the people were having fun in the middle of the court. Why do these kids need to be out on the court? They don't. They didn't do anything. They can have fun and cheer from the comfort of their own seat, and it can be an amazing atmosphere. We don't need the you know, ESPN pan out of the entire court just to see the kids jumping up and down. It's, it's, who cares? We, we've seen it, and you know, I don't want to see somebody get hurt um, but it looks like that's what it's going to take. And when that, when that day comes, don't say that we didn't tell you so. Um, the other question that, that I brought up in this, I'm really, it saddens me when, when I go to this next question and, and all it is, is how can we make college basketball great again? Kind of going Donald Trump there on you. How can we make America great again? Uh, how can we make college basketball great again? And what I mean by that is college basketball gets overlooked. College basketball has been nothing more than a two, maybe not even two months, maybe six week type of um, sport. Now it's, it's all about, you know, late February, March, um, Nobody cares. They they just want to gamble on it. That's it's perfect perfect game to gamble on. Um, nobody pays attention because, rightfully so, with the NFL. The NFL's branded itself great. They're all throughout the year. You have the season, and you have preseason. You have the season. You have what we're in now is the transitional period where they're signing players, they're cutting players. Uh, then you have the draft. Then you have mini camps. You, they've made themselves a year long. Um, entity, excuse me, entity. So they're there in the public eye 12 months out of the year. Um, you know, with college basketball, you know, it's been going on. It's it goes on from you know uh, October, Novemberish to March, April. But most people don't realize that they don't care because other things are happening. Um, and one of the ways, what I think is a detriment to them is that they let the, basically nobody has to pay attention until the last part anyway, because the conference tournaments are dependent or those are determining uh, who gets into the tournament. So what we need to do, the first change that needs to be made is that we don't award the conference winner who gets hot for three games an automatic bid into the tournament. The automatic bid for the tournament needs to come from the regular season champion. So basically what it is is nobody needs to watch because their champion doesn't matter. So if you make the regular season champion worth something, you're going to get some of the fan base saying, hey, 
I, I need I need to pay attention. Maybe some of these outside people thinking, no, you know, I wonder how my team's doing, or I wonder how this team's doing. Maybe I need to to tune in a little bit more to see who's who, who's up at it, and not I don't I can't just catch everything up at the end. It's kind of like you know doing your homework and or not doing your homework uh, the night before and then just copying off somebody. You kind of bring yourself up to speed um, or reading the Cliff Notes version of it. It's you know you're kind of bringing yourself up to speed. Uh, without reading the whole book. So, you know, the first change that I think needs to be made was, was the, the um, regular season champion gets the, gets the automatic bid. Um, and then we do the, the conference tournament. That's where you kind of up your seed, kind of make that run to, uh, to kind of get yourself in if you're on the bubble. So there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think, I think the conference tournaments are, are way blown up. Um, the Ivy League does the – they don't do the conference tournament. They do the the uh, automatic bid to the champion. I think that works out great. I think you're going to get more people, more of the casual people turning tuning in a little bit more, um, and that helps you know, get some of those people back watching the product, and, and that's just not happening right now, and I think that's sad. Uh, the other thing that I think we need to – to really address is the NBA rule and it is the NBA's rule uh, of the one and done. Uh, you can't fault these coaches for taking advantage of it. Um, they say that players had to go there for one year. Um, so you see more of the programs doing it, but I think if you make the commitment, I've always been a believer of if a player is good enough to go in, they should have all the information that they need going in to the draft, and if they're able to make that jump from high school to the NBA, then they should be able to do that. But once you sign that letter of intent that you're going to a college, you need to stay there at least two years. Um, that's for two reasons, and I know when I bring this up, it's, it's going to be scoffed at that nobody actually cares about education at, an, at a um, college institution. So that's no shocker, even though everybody pretends like they care about academics, nobody really does when it comes to sports. You only care about academics when it gets in the way, when they get suspended, you know, it's, it's made a mockery up. So, you know, when you're a one and done, you only have to go to class, go to class, not pass classes for seven months. And then you can do whatever you want to. That's that's what it's boiled down to. So you've basically made a mockery of the educational system. Um, so if they go two years, they need to pass all the way through, at least to that second year, you know. And and at that point, you've worked for a degree. You you've worked in the direction of a degree. So if you do go early, if you do go after your second year, you have a basis to where you could come back, um, and you'd already have a, a ground a nice foundation set for you to earn that degree later. Uh, and I know that's, you know, that's, that's me. I, I like the educational system as far as actually I love when these players actually go and do something on top of being a successful player. Um, when they go back to school and they, and they, they get a career cause they know eventually it's, it's not going to last, you know, not everybody's going to be Kobe Bryant and play for 19 or 20 years. So I like to see that. Uh, so, you know, it, it, this rule would kind of appease the people that do want the education. Um, and then what it does is, you know, the, obviously the extra year, 
um, gets them more it gets them gets them ready uh, you can't get everything from these these draft gurus who go around and these these scouting guys who just you know work on your shot and do all that those people help but they they can't they can't replace actual game uh, reps practice reps with coach they're great players so uh, forcing them to stay an extra year uh, I, I think would be beneficial for the player the college in the NBA, everybody wins. NBA, you get another look at it. You're, you're not taking, you know, just you're taking them um, from high school to one year from college. That's why the NBA is such a crapshoot. When you go out there and these, you know, these guys fail after you know, the fourth pick fails, and then you know you're back there in the same lottery next year. I think giving them the extra look like that really really improves everybody's stand, you know, and then what it does for the fan is it kind of lets you build up that loyalty. You say, Oh yeah, I know, I know Tyler Eulis from last year. I, I know these guys, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to see them. I want to see them grow. What, what do they have in store for me this year? So it, it lets you build that, that excitement up for your team and that pe- kind of the people you can count on. Oh, you know, I know his game from last year or, Hey, you know, I wonder how, this guy's going to mix with this guy and, you know, this team's coming back. Oh, they, they're stacked. They have, you know, have this recruiting class plus the guys that have to stay from last year. So you kind of, you build up that loyalty with your, with your base, you know, like, like in the eighties and in the nineties when we saw um, a lot of those teams kind of stay together. Um, you know, we, we did see that with Florida, Florida won back-to-back national champions. And that, that was good for college basketball. I hated it because it was in the SEC and they romped over Kentucky every time. But, um, you know, that's good when you see that dominance like that. It's really exciting because every time they take the court, it's a show. So fans come out to see that. That's what they want to see. They don't want to just see these guys that are taking time off their doing whatever they want to they they want to see these these powerhouses that build up as much as people say that's bad for college basketball it's not dominance people want to see that dominance go down like Kentucky last year they want to see it go down people are tuning in and when they stay like that you see more uh more of their game build and i think it's just great for everybody it's great for the fans um the athlete themselves they grow uh they mature uh so th- they make that transition to the NBA easier. And then the GMs and everybody should love it too, because they, they get more chance to do homework. They, their jobs depend on these decisions that they make and why not have more information before you take that calculated risk. So uh, I think those are the, those are the two things that I look for um, when you're, when we want to change college basketball, because right now it's suffering, but I, it's, it's just not popular uh, the way it once was. Um, outside of you know six weeks, the six weeks that we're getting ready to go into uh, at this point. So uh, the last question or the last thing that I'm seeing this week is why are all of these old NBA vets coming out and you know, making a mockery of you know, Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors? Uh, or basically the game today. Um, you know, it's kind of the old get off my lawn. Uh, and if you heard any of the comments from from Oscar Robinson, or excuse me, Oscar Robertson, sorry, um, 
and uh, Isaiah Thomas, you heard these guys kind of dismissing the way the game's played. Um, you know, their their brand of basketball was way better. And, you know, I'm a 90s kid. Uh, I, I grew up watching um, that basketball, and I loved it. Uh, I don't think the game is better for staying in the 90s. Uh, I think that's an awful, unwatchable brand of basketball now that I look back on it. Um, but when you're younger, you know, you kind of glorify things. You don't quite remember remember it or you you know glorify it into this thing that it's not and watching those games outside of the the great players like Jordan the Bulls teams and you know you had you had a lot of good teams back then you had you had the the Sonics had a good team uh, you had you had a, a run with the Magic there where they had you know uh, Hardaway and you know they did have Shaq there for for a while they had Nick Anderson um, Dennis Scott Horace Grant, they had, they had, you know, a solid team. Uh, and they had, obviously, the Jazz. And, and everybody, you know, throughout there, the Knicks, you know, with Ewing and Starks and everybody. So you have those type of teams. Uh, I remember them very well, and, and I loved that basketball. But by no means is it more advanced than it was or is now. Um, you had Isaiah Thomas saying the perimeter defense is terrible. Um now that's why Steph Curry gets open uh, so easily, and um, Oscar Robertson was saying that uh, that he had guys on his team that could that could really shoot. Um, and when he was asked if, is Steph Curry the best shooter that he's seen, uh, he said, uh, "We had guys on our team that could shoot. You know, we I've seen that before." And it's just totally dismissing the game. It's a slap in the, slap in the face of um, Steph Curry, the Golden State Warriors, in the game today. It's 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 really – I don't – he just sounds bitter. Uh, these guys sound bitter. Uh, and I'm sorry when you have a bunch of guys that – right hand in some circumstances. Uh, if you're telling me those guys are better than the game is now uh, with the handles that Steph Curry has who can dribble in and out of – you know, six inches of space just to get a shot off, fade away. As we, as I just saw about 35 minutes ago, him knock down a 35-footer to win that game against OKC like it was a layup. I mean, he popped up. He knew that was going in. And to think that there are better shooters than him. Oh, by the way, he – uh Broke his own record again for the single season, single season three, uh, three point record, and there's still twenty some games to go. And he hasn't played a bunch of fourth quarters. So I think we're seeing greatness right now. Uh, and just to just to kind of belittle his his accomplishments, his championship already, his three point record, which he's going to thrash, topple, do whatever he wants to every year. Um, he, he is one of the best shooters, one of the greatest shooters. Um, and in time he will be the greatest shooter. He will have all the records to match that. Uh, you know, you throw in Reggie Miller, you throw in Ray Allen, those type of guys have, have done it longer. Um, but you know, it's sad when these veterans come around and just kind of say the game is, is trash now and it's more intricate. It's, it's, 
some of these guys get lost on defense because they have so many responsibilities. Um, you know, nobody's just standing in the paint waiting for somebody to, you know, they, they don't have to just slide six inches to the left and six inches to the right. Like they used to in back in the, in the seventies and eighties, uh, just to lay down the lumber. When somebody comes down the lane, they have to slide their feet. They have to play high pick and roll. They have to, you know, they, they have to guard guys on these switches. You see seven foot guys going on, on these guards on switches and they have to be able to do that or they're not going to be on the floor. So you can't be a seven foot tall, seven two guy anymore and expect to be on the floor for an extended period of time. They're, they're going to bring you out and they're going to expose you. So if you can't do those things, they're going to find a quicker six, seven, six, eight guy who can go out to the perimeter, who can you know, come out and on the offensive end can shoot a, an 18 to, to 22 footer, um, somebody who can, defend kind of you know have that lateral quickness so you know the game has evolved and you know i know ryan rosillo on um, mike and mike was talking about this to, to think that everything from football to you know baseball to all these other sports have evolved and basketball be the only thing that has not evolved and actually regressed over the past 20 25 years is ridiculous to, to think that that this game with all the analytics and, and all these things that have changed the game, the three-point line, people argue that the three-point three line is the worst thing that's happened to, to basketball, um, is crazy. It, it's, it's bad for you, and it's bad for basketball if you don't use it. If you're just saying, oh, we're trying to get the, the closest shot to the basket, well, yeah. You want that, but you also want a guy who can stretch the floor. And if you have a Steph Curry and a Clay Thompson, let them shoot those 28-footers because to them they're as good as layups, and sometimes that's the best shot. When the defense is packed in, they give you those shots, and if you can you know, get the ball movement to, to get it around the horn to, to those guys to shoot, then it might as well be right next to the basket. And guess what? As soon as you um, – as soon as you come out running out trying to block their shot like that, they're just going to go right by you and get that high percentage shot anyway. So it's all about you know what you want to make it. And, and I really think it's it's sad that these guys are coming out and um, saying that their basketball was the best basketball. Now I don't, I don't, um, I don't discredit them fully for saying that because every player, every great player is going to say that uh, the big O was, you know, Average a triple double for his entire career. I mean, how can you, you know, mock that? I can't, and I, I would, I never would. And you know, Isaiah Thomas is one of the best big, or excuse me, one of the best little men uh, to ever play the game as a point guard. And for him to to come out like that, it, it's uh, it's not surprising because that's what alpha male elite athletes do. You know, they they believe that they're the best. You know, Michael Jordan would say the same thing. So, you know, it's it's disheartening to see that they just kind of trash the game as a whole right now. Um, but there, there's no denying that this game has, has jumped up in a major way. Uh, and it's more popular than ever. And, and I don't see um, how they can kind of discredit what's happening now. So um, that is the podcast for uh, this week. Uh, I did get some good feedback from 
last week. I got some more questions this week, but you can always tweet me at MattBanks12 on Twitter, and you can always send your questions via Facebook. Um, but I'm up for anything. Like I said, any, anything, uh, WWE, college sports, uh, NBA, MLB, NFL, anything you want to talk about, MMA, we can talk anything that you want. Uh, any subject that you want, your team specifically, or um, some of those leagues as a whole, rule changes, anything that you want to do, I am up for it, and I am ready to give you um, good answers. Maybe maybe they don't go along with what you believe, but uh, that's what makes this so fun. So you can comment this, um, spread it around to whoever you want, uh, but I plan to, to make this mailbag a, a uh, continuous type of thing. So uh, once again, I do thank you for joining me on the Bank on It podcast, the mailbag version uh, presented by the Well-Rounded Podcast Network, and I will see you on the next episode.